Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I'm Dalton Del Don, joined today by Mario Puig from RotoWire. He's their prospect guy. I'm excited to talk uh, all rookies today. This show is going to be featuring just pretty much all rookie talk. Uh, Mario and I share a Debbie team. I think he drafted Nick Chubb out of high school, it seems like. We've had him for so long. Anyway, Mario, I'm excited to talk some prospects with you. I'm going to shut up for most of this pod and listen to you. How's it going, man? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing, Dalton? Doing well. Like I said, I'm, I've been looking forward to this pod for uh, for a couple weeks since we booked you. So we'll start with the news here. We'll just keep the rookie theme going, man. A.J. Dillon reportedly was sidelined with a hopefully minor calf injury because I have uh, I have him everywhere. But this was an excuse for me to ask you about someone I wanted to anyway. And that's Kylan Hill, someone who lasted longer in the draft than I think he should have, maybe because of some Mike Leach uh, pre-draft talk. Um, but Hill looks like a three-down guy. Even if Dylan's healthy, maybe Dylan would only just be the two-down guy if something were to happen with Aaron Jones. Talk Kylan Hill. It is possible that Dylan loses some reps to Kylan Hill. I still like Dylan quite a bit. So I'm an investor in Dylan myself and a bunch of best ball teams. And I'm not too worried about it. With him, you always needed basically Aaron Jones to miss some time here or there to, for Dylan to have value anyway. But uh in the event that he, do, in the event that Aaron Jones does miss some time, Kylan Hill could maybe take more of the passing down work from Dylan than Dylan investors previously hoped for. Uh, so, so that is a risk because Kylan's, I think, a pretty well-rounded back. Like he's definitely not a star or anything like that. But I think there's a pretty good case that he should have gone in certainly the third round, maybe even kind of in this relatively shallow running back class. I think some team could have justified even like a late second rounder on him. So yeah, he almost went undrafted, and the Packers got him in. The, very nearly the end of the seventh round. And it really seems like no one really doubted his talent. It really seems like uh, Mike Leach and him kind of just got in a fight at Mississippi State, ended up with Kylan Hill leaving the team. Uh, Kylan said all the right things. He was being nice about it. He was saying like, oh, no, there was no problem there, no disagreements. I just had to do what was best for my family, stuff like that. And Mike Leach repaid him by uh, trying to make him unemployable for the rest of his football career. So uh, luckily, Leach didn't quite succeed, it looks like. And uh, in the event that the Packers are unfortunate enough to miss Aaron Jones for some time, they they might be glad that Kylan fell to them there. Yeah, that rookie's definitely on the radar in deeper leagues and obviously dynasty. But A.J. Dillon really is Derrick Henry 2.0, but size, speed. I mean, if, if Aaron Jones goes down, he's a, a, a top five, top 10 back weekly, right? Maybe not top five, just because uh, I, I love A.J. Dillon, but it, it it would need to be 
like top shelf rushing production that he gives you there to, to return that high because he probably won't do. But he, is he not so Henry though? I mean, he's Henry, and look at that offense. I mean, that so line. I mean, look, they the have eerily two forty. Yeah, they have very eerily play. similar, very eerily similar workout numbers. Specifically, they were both two forty six. I think it was at the combine, and I think they both ran a four five four forty. So that's a pretty exclusive class in terms of just being so massive and as fast and I'm pretty sure Dylan actually had better like vertical and broad jump type numbers uh so in terms of that density body weight and and just speed the kind of uh momentum that AJ Dylan can develop it's it's pretty substantial and I think he should be a massive upgrade over Jamal Williams for whatever role that he has so there is a chance that he gives you some flex weeks uh, especially in best ball where you don't have to guess when he's going to get, you know, with two or three touchdowns or whatever. Uh, but, but he is a monster in my opinion. And uh, maybe not Derek Henry, but he should be at least like another Steven Davis or something like that. Yeah. I don't love the fact that someone who's grabbing Dylan in the eighth round happily. I don't love the fact that Hill looks capable of being the receiver, you know, if Jones were to go down uh, other, just briefly the, the rookie news today is Juwan Johnson as an undrafted free agent could be winning the starting tight end role in new Orleans over Adam Troutman, something to pay attention to Tevin <laughs> Jenkins was set to be the Bears' starting left tackle. I believe they took him in the second round, and he's headed for yeah. back surgery, so obviously not great news in Chicago. And then Devonta Smith returned to Eagles practice. We'll talk more about him when we get to the receivers. But I want to jump into the good stuff, Mario. Uh, let's start with quarterbacks. Um, I'm going to save Lawrence for last because we'll transition to the, to the whole Jacksonville situation and running backs. So, of course, it's uh, I'm going to start with Trey Lance maybe because I'm a homer, but I don't even care about the situation so much with Lance and Fields. I want your opinion of them as prospects coming out. Personally, I did a deep dive. I'm not a college guy, but once my Niners traded up for the third pick, you know, I was beside myself when it looked like it was Mac Jones. Then I fell in love with Justin Fields. And now I love Trey Lance right on par with with Chloe and Mason, my two children. So that's been my emotional uh, roller coaster through this. You tell me from a purely objective view how you viewed these QBs before they landed in their specific situations. Yeah, so I definitely got a bit anxious about it, but I never thought the 49ers were going to take Mac Jones. I thought it's just too much. They could have gotten him, of course, at 12 or wherever they started out. Trading up to three, uh, two rather, just seems, or sorry, three seems impossible for Mac Jones to have been the pick, but Trey Lance always had the theoretical upside that would justify that because you did worry with him being a one-year starter basically at North Dakota State that he would be very raw and he's young too. It's not like he's, he doesn't have like an age, you know, insight to, to, to bridge the gap that there might be between, you know, playing at such a low level and then going to the NFL. But it seems knock on wood through training camp to this point that his natural abilities are just so substantial that it's, just kind of drowning out whatever sort of rough areas he might have in his game. And being in a Kyle Shanahan system makes that all that much more the case. Like I might've been a little worried about Trey Lance getting overexposed on some other team, someplace where he maybe had to carry the whole offense, but with the 49ers, he a has a lot of help in just the, the player personnel and B Kyle Shanahan will make that job a lot easier than almost any other co- uh, coach could for a rookie quarterback. So if, all the rough areas of Lance's background are kind of smoothed over by Shanahan and the surrounding details, then I think he could be a major producer right away. And part of it, part of the calculus here too, is, is I think Jimmy Garoppolo has been legitimately bad. It's not that he's been pretty good and Lance has a high bar he needs to reach. If, if Lance is vaguely competent, he should be as good or better than Garoppolo as a passer. And then the rushing distinction, of course, is huge. And, and 
the, what Lance can give you as a runner could change the entire offense. It's it's going to be an entirely different team that you're playing once he goes on the field compared to Garoppolo. Yeah, he was supposed to be calling a protection at the line of scrimmage, and he's just a bookworm. Like he's logged the most time of the whole team on on film on his iPad. So um, I like to hear that stuff. But um, and, and the situation's obviously uh, fairly ideal there. But I've talked a lot about Lance. What about Fields? Why did why did the Broncos pass on Fields and they're one quarterback away from winning the Super Bowl? And this guy, I mean the the accuracy numbers every. I mean, I guess the late reports of epilepsy, but what am I missing with Fields? Why? why we'll get to Zach Wilson next, but I, I, am I crazy when I say I would call it a 95% chance Fields has a better career than Zach Wilson? Is that just wildly, is that just crazy? It might be objectively a little reckless, but okay, that's I don't fair. disagree that's with fair. it. I don't disagree <laughs> okay. with it. I mean, I, I am lower on Zach Wilson than most people is the thing. So even as someone who's not super high on Justin Fields, like I, I probably had a pretty close to median opinion. I thought... Pretty clearly, he has a lot of really good things going for him. Namely, the, the tools, the, there are no flaws in the, in the tool set, you know, 6'3", 230, running the four four six or whatever, having a really strong arm and accurate passer too. If he has a limitation, it has to do with his post-snap processing. And I saw a lot of back and forth on this in, in sort of uh, like draft media and in Twitter, people kind of debating it might've been like an anonymous scout kind of thing. Got it going. I can't remember what exactly got the ball rolling, but there was some sort of report about how, well, they don't really like how Justin Fields does after the snap. They don't think he can get through his reads, something like that. And that got a pushback from people who I trust certainly, and, and know a lot about the game, people who are coach types. They were saying like, no, he, he's definitely going through his reads. Totally fine. There's no doubt about it. That might be true. But what I saw personally watching fields was, I think he was going through his reads correctly. I think the problem, if he has one, is that he doesn't pull the trigger unless he knows he has the throw. And I think to be a top-level quarterback in the NFL, as a passer anyway, you kind of have to have that ability to to know when the opportunity is there, even before it's obvious. And maybe that's something that can develop. Uh, I mean, there's no reason that he couldn't develop it. I mean, he's still young. Uh, he's, he's been highly effective as a passer in college like it wouldn't be shocking if he kind of just keeps improving a little bit uh, but that one area could be a bit of a problem and uh, if it were a problem it would be more of a problem kind of the worse the surrounding team is and I have a little bit of a concern about that offensive line even before the Tevin Jenkins right. thing so that that is a little concerning but I think that despite his struggles lately Matt Nagy or, uh, yeah Matt Nagy's a pretty good coach he you know, I don't want to jinx him. He seems like he's lost a little something after the kicker debacle. But that first year and late with his Kansas City work, yeah. I thought he was doing a good job. And I'm a little I'm, – I'm hopeful, maybe not properly optimistic, but I'm hopeful that going from quarterbacks like Trubisky and Foles to Fields will kind of bring back the best out of Nagy too. And uh, if he if, – if Fields can get the basics down and otherwise just be smart enough to throw it at Allen Robinson as much as possible, I think it should work out fine. Yeah, he did seem like a good coach when the first 15 plays he would script it were always the best by the Bears. So it was like, I has to be coaching. You know, he's carrying Trubisky. So where did that go? Some of the decisions since then have been curious. But um, it's not the greatest uh, situation for Fields. The Bears, have they never had a 4,000-yard passer, you know, outdoors and whatnot. But Mooney looks like a baller. A-Rob's there. Uh, Fields is fast, too. I know that my guy Trey Lance oh, yeah. put up the rushing stats in college, but Fields, I mean, Fields did as well, but man, he's so fast. That'll play at the NFL level. I think in fantasy, I have him ranked. I, I moved him in my top 15. I think both these guys are going to be monsters right away in Fields. Uh, my, I was reckless in my percentage. I agree, but 
I would be shocked if Zach Wilson has a better career. He's not even played a snap too. yet. But but tell me, let's talk about him. He he tore it up against the the weak opponents. Uh, he had the best offensive line. I understand that you, you talk about Lance's um, competition. Well, if you compare Zach Wilson's teammates to the to the, the opponents. One could argue that he actually was in a more favorable situation. So he benefited from the play action. Um, all the stats that, that, that suggest that maybe, you know, it's not going to translate to NFL level, not to mention his slight build. I don't know. What are your thoughts? He has to overcome the whole Jets infrastructure as well. So I hope I'm wrong and the kid is successful. And he's another guy who could be pretty good fantasy because he throws the deep ball and can run a little. So I hope I'm wrong. But to me, Zach Wilson, it's all the red flags of, of a, whoa, that's a warning of a, of a potential problem. Yeah, so I initially didn't really have an opinion on Wilson. I I considered myself pretty agnostic on it and I'll do this a lot, but what I did was basically I let other people make their opinions first and I kind of wait to see what they say. And I kind of try to save myself some bandwidth by letting other people basically do the research first. And then I kind of just look at the cases that they're making for the player. And it was this to me kind of weird uh, unfolding of events where, you know, we get, we get out of this college season, first of all, where yes, Zach Wilson's on the radar, but not really that much. And not until late in the year, or at least like October or something like that, did any of his hype pick up. Whereas going into the year, all of Trevor Lawrence, Trey Lance and Justin Fields were identified as likely top three picks like that. That was expected of all three of them going into the year. Whereas Wilson came completely off off the radar. No one was hyping Zach Wilson before the year, but by October, there was a lot of this, you know, he's going to be a first rounder. And I see things like that. And I think, yeah, sure. Why not? Seems like he's doing a good job. That, that makes sense. And then, you know, we get to the the off season specifically and you start to see it turn from, Hey, Zach Wilson's a first round candidate to, Oh, Zach Wilson's just ahead of Trey Lance and Justin Fields now. And here, here are the reasons why he, he uh, does these, these things that are, you know, like talking about, you know, he's mobile and he's quick and he's, he's like Pat Mahomes and this and that. And when you start to make a case that, in my opinion, just makes no sense like that, saying, oh, he's better than Fields and Lance because he's like Pat Mahomes. That's when I start to tune it out and get really skeptical of the case, because that's not a, a true reason that it's, it's wrong. So if that's why you're basing if that's what you're basing ranking Zach Wilson ahead of Trey Lance and Justin Fields over, then you're wrong to do it. So I never saw anyone make a better case. And it, it seems to just be left with this, like, look, the Jets are going to take him second or overall, overall, take it or leave it. it it's happening. There's nothing, to, there's nothing to litigate any further about it. And I thought, like, that was just never – it was never demonstrated why Zach Wilson should have been that second pick. And going over Lance and Fields specifically is, I think, a pretty high burden of proof. Like, you – in another class, if it's, if it's weak quarterbacks and Wilson's just clearly the second best, then, yeah, who cares? Second overall, that makes sense. But he is not better as a prospect than Lance and Fields. And everything that he could theoretically be good at, they are better at already. I don't really get it. Uh, what is even theoretical appeal is supposed to be. And then another thing that made me a little concerned is that normally a guy like Zach Wilson, which is to say he's like, he's like right around six, two, I think he checked in at two fourteen at his pro day and quickly was down to like two Oh seven at the, the combine recheck after that. So he's, he's basically a six, two, two Oh five on field quarterback. Right. <laughs> there has never been one picked that high. And I don't think there has been one taken in any higher than um, maybe like 12th overall or something, except for Michael Vick. And Michael Vick ran a 4-2. So Zach Wilson's not running a 4-2, and yet they made this once, uh, this first time ever exemption for a player of his build. And I just don't see how, in any case, what I what I think 
is shown by that is just a pattern of giving him the benefit of the doubt in a way that other players are not granted it. And I don't mean to say like I have any definite idea of how his career is going to turn out, but when the people who are pushing his his market are saying a bunch of things that aren't true and just kind of compound bad reasoning on bad reasoning, at the very least, I, I am much less convinced of him than I am Lawrence Lance and Justin Fields. Yeah, I wonder how much Shanahan knew that Sala was locked in on him, the, the number two pick when San Francisco traded up. Um, it, it, it was weird how he just became the obvious number two pick for that whole final month when there was yeah. so much speculation with so many other awesome uh, quarterback prospects. All right, let's talk to Trevor. Talk about Trevor Lawrence. Uh, why were his stats not elite in college? I believe you tweeted, conventional stats don't capture the sum of Lawrence's traits very well. So explain to me him, and then I'm going to ask you about Ermeyer next. But but Trevor Lawrence could be a generational talent. He looks the part, that's for damn sure. But the stats don't quite back that up. But obviously he's young and he hasn't even thrown in a, a pro pass yet. So thoughts on, on Trevor Lawrence? I think that Trevor Lawrence's stats are really good. I think that some of the more recent analysis is comparing him to players who are in systems that are much easier to to produce, to compile numbers. And in levels of competition, I guess specifically I'm thinking of like, you know, Big 12. I know Justin Fields was in the Big 10, but that's that's also not that tough of a level of competition when you're playing against, uh, you know, the, I guess Michigan's tough, but a lot of the rest of the Big Ten is just totally overmatched against Ohio State, whereas Clemson was getting some tough games there and a lot of playoff games each year, I think, for for Trevor Lawrence's box score. Like, more than most quarterbacks he's compared to, he's he's playing college playoff games uh, three or four, whatever times it is, a year. And uh, he's he's playing in more difficult conditions. He's given more responsibility. He's he's kind of – they throw him into the fire in a way that you wouldn't other quarterbacks. And I think in any case – what stands out about Trevor Lawrence is the number of just uh, sort of physical feats that he can accomplish that other players can't. And, and I'm thinking specifically of uh, the combination of the athleticism and the throwing ability. He can do things like just uh, he can set up platforms for throwing by moving around and also anticipating correctly. Uh, his, his mind for the game is very sharp is, is the thing too. It's like, uh, I don't want to compare him to Mahomes, but if rather than Zach Wilson, if there were a Mahomes vaguely similar to Mahomes quarterback it would be Trevor Lawrence in the way that they have these insane physical tools but also just kind of it seems like they have a Jedi mind or something some of the times like the things that they conceive as as throwing possibilities are things that just would never occur to other quarterbacks and even if it did they wouldn't be able to get like they wouldn't be able to arrange spatially the situations that they would need to 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 get the throwing lanes to get the platforms to get the wind-up space the time to put it all together at the same time and Lawrence just kind of has that sort of, I guess you may call it like a point guard sort of instinct. Like he he kind of can do the no look pass kind of uh, thing. Not not like Mahomes, but uh, he he can just kind of do things that you can't really coach, and that you wouldn't coach if you could because it's it's like bad to try to get away with the things that Trevor Lawrence does. But he can do it, and other other players just can't really. So I I think there are just a lot of plays that he makes where you can see you can imagine. Getting to the NFL where, you know, especially the, the illegal contact rules in the NFL, I think it's going to be harder to defend a player like Trevor Lawrence in the NFL than it was in college. And part of it, too, is he, he might have to establish the rush threat at some point. But once he does, that will be understood. They, they will say, oh, we have to put containment on him. We can't mess around with that again. He'll, he'll, he'll run past us like he did Ohio State. 
you, you mentioned the no look pass that reminded me Aaron Rodgers the other day brought up how Matthew Stafford is so underrated on that and if anyone hasn't checked it out uh, go search on Twitter there's a compilation of Stafford no look passes that are pretty ridiculous so what about Urban Meyer man this guy produced everywhere in college from the little I followed it just seemed like wherever he went it was just the offense was going nuts and the players were getting drafted in the NFL high um, and now everyone's like whoa 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 he's a donkey I mean he spent spent first round draft capital on a running back uh, he targeted Kadarius Tony before that signed Tim Tebow um, but I'd also say that you know late first ETN <laughs> maybe that's not so bad a receiving back uh, Tebow's been released by the way um, just because he says that uh, Gardner Minshew's quarterback competition with Lawrence doesn't really mean that he's going to do it so uh, Carlos Hyde hasn't been given the carries yet so I'm still unsure, you know? I mean, it certainly doesn't look good if you follow the uh, the words, but the actions haven't exactly followed. So talk to me about Urban Meyer, man. Yeah, I am concerned about Urban Meyer. I think, uh, you know, a guy, a guy like him who dominates in college football the way he did, you, you always worry about his winning having more to do with the institution recruiting. of recruiting than uh, actually calling a team or, like, identifying talent and developing talent. 100%. When you have to... When you have the things at his disposal that he did, especially at Ohio State, like you can't actually fail. And, and Florida was a pretty similar case. Uh, I guess to be fair, he did put Utah on the map with Alex Smith. So uh, whatever that's worth. Uh, but he's right. shown some really concerning signs. And I guess to be fair for, for fantasy purposes and like betting, wagering, whatever, a lot of the concern around Meyer has to do with kind of his character. Uh, there's There's concerns that, uh, he, he's just kind of not a great guy and might be bad for the team for just almost like morale reasons. And there's something to that. I mean, if he's, if he wants to be kind of like an aggressive sort of, you know, tough guy coach who's alienating the players, you can only get away with that if you actually win and the players like get over it because they're winning. I'm not really expecting Jacksonville to win games this year. I, I do expect them to be better, at least on offense than a lot of people are projecting. But yeah, I think what gets me over any concern that I have with Urban Meyer is just that I think the talent here is pretty substantial, starting with Trevor Lawrence. Most of most of what I've most of my optimism about the Jaguars just has to do with him, really. Um, and I think Lawrence is the kind of quarterback who will basically make a bad coach look good. And I'm especially thinking of Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. Like I think Cliff Kingsbury has done a truly awful job and I, didn't, I wasn't high on him exactly as a coaching prospect, but I was agnostic. I was like, this this might work. And now I have no hope for Cliff Kingsbury. I, I think his his scheme is just too simple, too predictable. Uh, there's there's just there's not enough variation. There's there's not enough uh, element of surprise. And yet Kyler Murray is still a great fantasy quarterback, and the Cardinals are more or less competitive because Kyler Murray is such a talented quarterback. And I kind of expect Jacksonville to be that sort of case, even if Urban Meyer turns out to sort of be a drag on them. No, that's totally fair. Yeah, the college, the history of college coaches hasn't been great lately. Yeah, DeAndre Hopkins, he lined up on the same exact side of the field like 86% of the time. I was the only receiver who even came close to doing such a thing, not getting moved around like that. So, yeah, it's a concern, but I agree with you. The talent could outweigh it, which segues to the running backs and Travis Etienne. I'm one of the suckers who's been drafting him aggressively, especially in full PPR. But watching James Robinson out there in the first preseason game, you know, wasn't exactly um, encouraging. And Robinson's reportedly faster this year. But I don't know. I'm just like the talent's going to win out. Etienne has all this explosive ability, all these 40 plus yard touchdowns in college. Is he going to be the man right away or is it going to be frustrating the first half of the year? He's going to be the man eventually. But um, how early would you take him in a draft, a redraft league this year? So I've taken him as high as, after the Cam Akers and uh, Michael Thomas injury news, I've taken him as high as like the fourth round a couple times, yeah. just because uh, it was a best ball draft and uh, there 
the, the ADP was, or the, the draft order was going a certain weird way where I, I don't remember the exact scenario, but I basically knew like, if I don't take ETN here, A, I'm not getting him at my next pick. B, my running backs might kind of suck. And I'm guessing I rationalized it finally by being like, I'll, I'll get a comparable receiver at my next pick. But I definitely have some anxiety about taking him there. There's a lot of, uh, th- there's a wide range of outcomes with ETN. And I say that as a big time ETN fan, like I, as a prospect, he's, he's one of my favorite running backs in a long time. He would have been uh, behind Jonathan Taylor for me last year, but only a little bit. And I think there's a good chance that he would have been the first running back picked. I think the Chiefs could have taken him instead of uh, Edwards Hilaire if he had been in the draft. So I'm super high on Travis Etienne, and it's complicated for me to try to, you know, guess what's going to happen between him and James Robinson because I'm also a really big fan of James Robinson. I'm totally convinced that James Robinson is one of the best running backs in the league. So part of what I what I think about though is. Uh, you know, I think back to maybe this is too generous to Urban Meyer, but I, I definitely think about with Sean Payton and the, the Saints, Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara, like they were in the same offense. It definitely worked. No one really complained about the other being there that whole time. And I think whereas uh, a, a case like the Lions, they have DeAndre Swift for the Kamara analogy. They don't have the Ingram part in Jamal Williams. I think with the Jaguars, you really do have the Ingram part with James Robinson and hopefully the Kamara part with ETN. But uh, in any case, what could subsidize both of their production a little bit this year is if the Jaguars have very low tight end production. And I think there's reason to believe they will. So there's a chance the Jaguars have basically the least tight end share of their offense in the entire league. And if so, that could be one subtle way for ETN and, and Robinson to both get their feet in the door a little bit. And of course, the college connection with uh, Lawrence. Um, what about Najee Harris? I have him. I haven't ranked as a, as a first round guy just because I think you can only project what five to six running backs to get 300 touches. And he's one of them. I have no I'm completely agnostic about him, the player. So from a uh, from a prospect perspective, um, regardless of uh, the situation, what do you think of, of, of Harris? I know his his workout metrics weren't anything special, but he, you know, he obviously was productive and, and given a full workload in a system that often, you know, they didn't didn't give their one running back so many touches. Yeah, I am a little agnostic myself on Harris. Like, I think he's good. I think he's some type of good. And after that, I I get a little trouble convincing myself of anything in particular because he doesn't look like anyone I can remember. Like, he's generally compared to guys like Le'Veon Bell. And I guess for some reason, he was compared to Matt Forte for a while. Uh, Maybe Steven Jackson, guys like that. But he's a little bit different than each of them. So I don't think he's going to quite look like any of them. But his production in college and his just general polish that he seems to show in pretty much every phase of running back play, I think it's safe to say, like, even if he's the first of his type, it'll be some version of good. And I, I don't really worry about the lack of a clear precedent for him. At six, and specifically, I'm thinking of a guy who's like 6'2", 230, probably runs a 4'6", something like that, which is fine, to be clear. But I do get a little bit anxious when people say it's just like Steven Jackson. Because it's not like Steven Jackson. Steven Jackson was about 10, 12 pounds heavier, probably a little faster. And that's not to say like Harris, even if he is lighter and slower, that's not to say like he's going to be no good. Therefore, it's just Steven Jackson's a really high bar. And when the next closest comparison is like Latavius Murray or something, the range in between can be a little bit concerning. But like you said, Pittsburgh's got to give him the ball so much that even if he's bad this year, he's going to be doing a lot of it you know like he's he's gonna if it's gonna be 3.3 yards per carry he might just get 26 a game then it's 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 gonna be that kind of season for him so 
uh, especially in PBR, which, by the way, he should catch like 60 passes at least too. Especially there, it's pretty hard to to illustrate why his floor would be low. Maybe the ceiling is limited by Ben Roethlisberger and the Pittsburgh offensive line. But worst case scenario, he's probably looking at a, I don't know, Trent Richardson kind of rookie year where he was really inefficient, but he, they just kept giving him the ball. Yeah, I mean, I can see also the argument just being that he is not held up for uh, in, in the NFL level, so that's why you don't want to spend a first round pick on it, but on him. But yeah, I think his floor is just incredibly high otherwise because even just the volume and there's so few backs are going to be projected for that workload. And you said, good, I'm glad to hear. I was going to say, so he's a capable uh, blocker and pass catcher, right? And obviously the goal line guy. So yeah, man, yeah, I he's just, he's really smart too. I mean, they're gonna he he will have no limitations at all. So uh, I worry about the team around him, but. Even if the offensive line is bad and even if Roethlisberger is bad and and Harris is inefficient, their defense should still be good enough that they can afford to keep going back to him, even if it's a bunch of clouds of dust. It's like they're never going to really fall into a script where they have to take the ball away from Harris. Yeah. Okay. Now, on the flip side, what about Javante Williams? Uh, People loved him. Tackle-breaking machine, although that occurred in a conference, I've been told, where tackling's optional. Um, And you wrote or or said he's an objectively worse prospect than Royce Freeman. So I like it. I've I've been actually listening to you on this one. I mean, I think Melvin Gordon's going to be a problem there. So Williams, yeah okay so talk to me he's this not you're not high on him so I actually think he's a totally good prospect I would argue that it's more that other people are very arbitrarily high on him and I get it he's his college tape is entertaining if if you're judging players by their highlight reels it's it's tough to rank someone ahead of Javante Williams he does entertaining stuff especially last year and a lot of people specifically looked at that Miami game where they just sometimes teams don't show up to play and uh, they had some injuries. They had some COVID issues. I remember uh, that made it worse than usual. I can't remember what it was, but for some reason after the week before they basically, you know, checked out. And if you watch that Miami game and don't just watch how many tackles Javante Williams is breaking or how many people he's missing, watch how bad those defenders are playing. Those guys aren't doing any of their jobs. And when they get within range of him after they already blew their contain and after they picked the wrong angle to pursue him, if they, but when they miraculously ended up anywhere near him, they were doing things like running into him backwards, stuff like that. It's just, it was a total joke of a game for the defense. And if you look at Javante Williams's production from before 2020, it basically uh, his, his production and Michael Carter's, I guess, actually their production almost exactly correlates to the rest of the ACC run defense is getting much worse. Like last year, Duke, Virginia Tech, Florida State. I mean, that Miami game was was insanely bad. And yet Miami's run defense wasn't even one of the four or five worst in the conference. Uh, Khalil Herbert basically at Virginia Tech put up the same numbers last year that Javante Williams did, had at least as good of a pro day. No one cared. And it's because he didn't have that Miami game that everybody keeps looking at over and over. And they watch these tackle, these missed tackles occur that will not occur in the NFL. It's point blank the case that Javante Williams, in a lot of those scenarios that people are watching in these highlights and getting so excited about, if they occur in the NFL, he would just get clobbered on a bunch of those plays where he's peeling off another 20-plus yards after some missed tackle attempt. If you look at the tape closely, like I wish, I wish people could look at a play like Ramondre Stevenson's long touchdown run in the preseason and look at how, despite the inflated numbers, the, the big play nature of it, This is basically a slow running back turning the corner on a defense and then running untouched by a defense that fails to catch up to him. And stuff like that can happen, but it's not likely to. And especially in the NFL, it's not likely to happen. If you get a play where it's a long touchdown run that could have been 
done by a guy like Ramondre Stevenson. And I'm thinking of especially of college backs like Samaj P. Ryan. They broke just as many or more tackles than Javante Williams, and they could make all of the plays that Javante Williams does in his tape. That's not to say Javante is going to have as bad of a career as, as Samaj P. Ryan, far from it. But when you can look at his plays that everybody justifies their hype on and, and see very plainly, oh, yeah, Zach Moss could do that. Oh, yeah, just any just some guy could do that then you have to keep that in mind and not try to equate Javante Williams to someone like Travis Etienne, who for four years posted insane shrieking production. And he didn't need the Miami defense to just completely collapse to do it. He put up 70 touchdowns while averaging 7.2 yards per carry, which is just insane to have like touchdown production is a downward pressure on your yards per carry. And Etienne is still at 7.2 over 70 touchdowns over four years. And that's what the ACC getting better and worse as a run defense. He did it the whole time. Javante Williams and Michael Carter only did it last year and only in basically like four games. So what about Michael Carter? Am I being too much of a simpleton just bringing up their workout metrics? I'm like, Ty Johnson's a way better athlete. I mean, Michael Carter, just fourth round capital. Why? Ty Johnson passed the eye test last year, man. And I was happy to see the preseason, him get more of the passing down work and uh, whatnot. But tell me I'm wrong. And maybe, uh, maybe Carter's the answer instead. I think Carter is a pretty good player. I don't, uh, I don't have like a problem with his ADP. I agree with you that it is a little strange how much Ty Johnson has been overlooked. And I regret pretty much all of the Tevin Coleman best ball teams that I did earlier in the year. Cause I, I like, the more I thought about it, it was like, well, Ty Johnson, you know, he's, he's kind of just like a more recent version of the same premise than Coleman. Uh, and crucially has not had whatever five or six high ankle sprains in his NFL career. So Ty Johnson is a guy, I never had any question about his running ability at Maryland, who's a really good pure runner. The question was more as, what can he give you as a pass catcher? Because he's had pretty bad returns as a pass catcher to this point. Maybe he can get a little better. I don't really have a good feel for that. But in the meantime, Michael Carter definitely can be better as a pass catcher than than what Ty Johnson has given. So I wouldn't be shocked if we see Ty Johnson be their lead ball carrier and Michael Carter be their passing down guy. And to figure out which of them is Better in that case, I guess it depends on how much you're projecting the Jets to play catch up. I could imagine that being pretty much all the time. I think the Jets have a pretty bad roster. Like I like some of their parts, uh, especially the, the offensive line has some pretty interesting parts. Quinn and Williams is a monster, but their corners are maybe some of the worst cornerbacks in the league. So maybe Saleh is going to make that defense sick. It took him some time with the 49ers, though. The 49ers had more talent to do it than he has with the Jets. So they could be playing catch up pretty much every second quarter onward this year. And if so, that could be a little bit of a you know drag for Ty, Ty Johnson. But I, I think he can definitely run. And I think Carter is a pretty good runner, too. He's just not as big and fast as, as Ty Johnson. I have zero confidence in Tevin Coleman lasting a half a football, let alone a season. Um, so I, Ty, Johnson, Ty Johnson's my favorite last round pick in, in fantasy leagues. Okay, Trey Sermon, I've held off long enough to start preaching here. Uh, my 49ers guy, Raheem Mostert, I love him so much, but he's the most likely player in the league to get injured, possibly, or one of them. He's still rocking the knee brace uh, this summer, uh, says he's going to shed it. I hope I'm wrong and he stays healthy. Raheem Mostert would put up silly numbers if he does. Um, but um, is Sermon, could he emerge if, if, if Mostert goes down and take control, or is he a guy that's always going to be banged up like he was throughout college? I, I fear that his draft stock shot up with those two monster games at the end, but look at those highlights he does look pretty good the outside zone scheme supposedly fits the Niners well so talk to me about about Sermon I think Sermon's definitely interesting he can run in the open field there's no doubt about that like whatever questions about him there might be none of them relate to to him in the open field 
I personally have a little bit of concern about maybe how much he can get to the open field in the NFL. And cause specifically he's a bit lanky. Like he's, he's not, um, he's not skinny or anything, but when you're pushing six, one, you generally want to get over 220 pounds. Cause if you're around 210, 215, you're just kind of, uh, you're a little bit tall and you're in your lack a little bit of anchor, especially more inward in the field you're running. If you're running between the guard and the tackle and you're six, one, two, ten, it's pretty easy to get clobbered in your helmet, get, get a concussion, get a busted shoulder or something like that. So it's helpful when you're running inside to be a low center of gravity or, or a guy who, if you're tall, like Derek Henry, you got 250 pounds of mass to account for it with sermon. I worry a little bit that his body type isn't ideal for running in between the tackles with volume. So to me, especially given his injury history, I, I worry about him being more like a 10 to 12 carry kind of back than one who is a serious candidate for 20 carries. Like, of course, if, if they get in a situation where, you know, Mostert's out or just isn't doing well, whatever, and, and Sermon's got the hot hand and he's, he's just running wild, they'll give him 25 carries in that game. But I think they'll get to the next week or, you know, two or three weeks from then and say, we should probably lighten Sermon's load for these weeks. We got to save him for, you know, week 12 and onward. I don't think they're going to really, and even if Moser gets hurt, it would surprise me if there's like a four week span where Sermon goes over like 60 carries or something like that. But if he gets carries, it seems like he'll do well with them. Yeah, I'm excited for him. Matt Waldman, another prospect guru. I think it's his favorite running back out of this class. One thing I will say, though, Trey Lance, you know, recruited as a linebacker in safety. He might just eat up all those goal line scores, too. So that would be frustrating for whomever. I think Wayne Gallman. I think Wayne Gallman. I know it would I know it would be annoying, but it just looks like a committee situation to me. It's like Raheem Mostert is so good at those outside kind of zone runs and he, he can't be challenged in that capacity. Trey Sermon might have his capacity where he isn't challenged. But I think when they want to just grind out especially if they're trying to run out the clock or something, or it's a blowout. I think Gallman might be their guy in that situation, just because it's like, they don't really care if he gets beat up, you know? And just using Vegas projected wins, they have by far the easiest schedule in the NFL, like by a wide margin too. So we could be seeing some protected leads. If they stay healthy though, I mean, it's all about the injuries with that team. I mean, their defensive line, I mean, if D Ford actually is healthy, I mean, on paper, that team just looks loaded. But again, the injuries have actually already started to, to strike uh, Kinlaw, uh, and and even uh, Trent Williams is experiencing knee swelling, and that is obviously would be disastrous. Um, you mentioned Ramondra Stevenson earlier. Now, how did he go from having a four point six three four a pro day to running twenty point four miles per hour on that? That's what he was recorded as one of the five fastest players. Well, it wasn't just the defense's fault; he was actually fast on that on that carry. So, thoughts on Stevenson as someone who loves um, loves him some. Uh, Harris, Damian Harris, uh, is, is Stevenson now an issue? I don't think so. I think uh, that 20.4 miles per hour or whatever, I think that's just the kind of thing a lot of people might be surprised to know. Just like pretty much any NFL running back can run that fast. It's more like they need 50 yards to hit that top speed, and Fair. it doesn't really happen in games very okay. often. But Fair. yeah, I think uh, like because Daniel Jones had that whatever it was. And it's like, yeah, if you give Daniel Jones 60 yards to just run as fast as he can, even he can eventually reach that top speed but um i don't know i think i think stevenson is definitely a pretty gifted runner especially for his build like he's very he's flexible and he has a lot of like balance and uh the ability to kind of just like twist and turn that you don't normally see in a guy as big as him normally someone as massive as, as Ramondre stevenson is kind of stiff in their movements they're they kind of labor to slow down and stop and start and change directions things like that whereas it reminds me a lot of like Eddie Lacy, pretty much like Stevenson just 
runs like someone smaller than himself. Even if his top speed isn't that high, he, you just don't think he's as big as he is if you take a glance at the way he runs. He's, he's very flexible and, and can bounce off of players even aside from the brute strength part. Like he can just kind of slip through people and, and keep his feet under him. And he's, he's really good at that. It's powerful too, of course. And crucially, he's a very good pass catcher. At least mm. I thought he looked really good right. doing it at Oklahoma. The production was really good as a pass catcher and runner too. The issue with him is we don't really know what he's like off the field. Like he was a junior college transfer. So he was only at Oklahoma for two years. And then even last year when he was their best running back, he got suspended for, uh, I don't even know what it was. I don't know if it ever came out what it was. Usually in college, something like that, when there's no arrest report, it means a failed drug test. So we'll, we'll see. It's it, there's, there's no report of him having like a combine issue or anything like that. So, but if he is focused and is, if he's giving Belichick every reason to consider his talents, then in the event that he got on the field, I think Stevenson would probably do pretty well. But I'm worried about him getting on the field at all because Belichick has been very stingy with rookie running backs in the past. Like Sony Michelle played a lot. That's probably just because he was a first round pick, though, and they felt the need to do it. Damian Harris was a scratch his whole rookie year. James White was a, was a scratch his whole rookie year. So James White needs to get hurt or like Damian Harris or Sony Michelle need to get hurt, in my opinion, for Stevenson to have a clear route in, but if he does end up on the field, he should be pretty good. Cause he's, he's definitely a pretty talented guy. Yeah. Belichick's definitely been stubborn with rookies. All right. S- speed round for the rest of these running backs. Cause I just want to ask you just briefly, Chuba, is it Chuba? What is it? Uh, I think Chuba? it's Chuba. Chuba oh, Hubbard, uh, the clear backup to CMC. I hope so. I think it's just Rodney Smith. They have otherwise. And Chuba's definitely more talented than him. So he, he, he was expected to run like a four, three, five. He only ran like a four, four, seven, something like that. So he wasn't as good as wasn't much upside as we hoped, but he should still be pretty good. I'm out on Austin Eckler as a first round pick. Um, I, I mean, I, I understand how much he was targeted uh, as you know PPR, but I think one of the Chargers running backs will emerge uh, right when you settle on Justin Jackson. He gets hurt again. Larry Roundtree there. Do you have any thoughts on, on him versus the other, you know, the backup running back? Someone's going to emerge there as a power back for the Chargers. Yeah, I personally think it might just be Herbert, but if if it's if it's got to be one of the running backs, and it won't be Justin Jackson, like you're saying, he's just he he has that Trey Sermon problem, but much worse because instead of being six one two fifteen two ten, he's like six foot one ninety nine, so he just can't play that many snaps. He's he'll he'll get rocked eventually. So it's either got to be Joshua Kelly, who I think is my favorite of that group. Not that I'm I'm not like eager to pick him. It's like if I have to pick somebody. I guess it's him because he's got best uh, like size adjusted speed in that group by far. He's the best college player of that group. So uh, I can't personally take Roundtree very seriously. I know he's got to be a good like coaches player because he was a four year starter at Missouri and he was very consistent certainly, but he he just seems like the absolutely classic case of like good college player, but he doesn't have the ability athleticism wise to play in the NFL. So I can't see it with Roundtree. Okay, Chris Evans, Captain America. I'm out on Joe Mixon. Also, I worry about his injury uh, injury history there. You, you talked about Samaj P. Ryan's probably the backup there, but Chris Evans, uh, definitely intriguing dynasty. He looks pretty interesting there. His, his, his college uh, could have been taken earlier. I think he's a, d- a decent guy as a receiver, and he made a nice goal line score too in the first preseason game. Yeah, Evans is explosive athletically. There's no doubt about that. And he started his collegiate career pretty well at Michigan, but then he like disappeared for a year. I guess it was, it was academics-wise. Yeah. Yeah. And then last year he was their third string runner but after some underclassmen. So that's very strange. I don't know if there's something going on that would explain that stuff, but I can't take him seriously just for the fact that he couldn't get on the field as a fifth-year sure. senior. 
Right. Okay. Jamar Jefferson, uh, another guy I want to fade is De- DeAndre Swift. I hope I'm wrong, but a guy I worry about injuries. And you said uh, Jamal Williams, you don't love either. So what about Jefferson in Detroit? Jefferson was a very disappointing pro day guy because he was listed at 218 or something like that at Oregon State where he was a very good player. He had some fumbling issues, but his rushing production was spectacular at Oregon State. But then he weighed in at like 205 and had brutally bad pro day numbers. So I don't know if he was sick or something or if there's otherwise some explanation there, but I worry about Jefferson having the tools that he needs athletically to be as good of an NFL player as he was a collegiate player. But I definitely like him more than Roundtree because at least in college, Jamar Jefferson was a very explosive player. A guy like Roundtree never was explosive. Okay, not a rookie, but I'm just curious your thoughts on Donta Foreman because that Atlanta backfield is so interesting and he's you know rejoining Arthur Smith. They were just with each other in Tennessee and, and Foreman's the guy with like the workout numbers. He put up like video game numbers as an 18-year-old. What was it back in, was it Texas? They were just ridiculous. Yeah, Texas, he had a really big season that one year because he was he's just so big and fast. He was like 235 running a mid 4-4. Of course, he tore his Achilles tendon at the end of his, I think, rookie year with the Texans. And then he basically disappeared for three years until the Titans gave him, I want to say, like 70 snaps last year. And he was actually kind of productive with them. They still cut him for some reason, went back to Jeremy McNichols. And that was that until Arthur Smith brought him into Atlanta. So I think Mike Davis is... He's like a useful player, but he's not good enough to, to feel safe on any particular NFL depth chart, even a one as bad as Atlanta's. So I don't know if Foreman's running more like a 4-7 now because of the Achilles injury, yeah. but if, he's, yeah. if he can still run a 4-5-5, him and Kadre Allison, Allison, they said, is like more athletic now. I don't know how this works. They claim he's just point blank faster than he used to be. So he could, he could make it interesting because he's a big guy who's pretty productive in college. Um, so yeah, I, I think Foreman's really interesting, but we don't really know what's going on with his Achilles tendon. And Allison is the same type of running back and might be more athletic between the two at this point. Yeah, Foreman's someone to pay attention to in deeper leagues. So I don't have any faith in yeah. Davis with Stan. He wore down last year too when he was a starter for like the month stretch. Um, all right, let's just go through tight ends real quick because uh, Kyle Pitts is the only one we're talking about. Longest wingspan in the last 20 years in the NFL. Um, I, I'm the sucker again at draft, drafting him aggressively. Arthur Smith there, obviously, you know, Julio Jones jones indoors matt ryan is still pretty accurate so um i know tight ends don't put up big numbers from rookies but didn't gronk like catch 10 touchdowns why can't kyle pitts see 140 targets immediately and be a better i haven't ranked ahead of my guy george kittle because i just think kittles misses two to four games every year um tell me i'm crazy i'm i'm surprised you have him ahead of kittle but i'm not really gonna tell you you're crazy for it i'm as much of a pitts believer as anyone i guess because i just think even if you believe he's some version of bad this year, which I would never personally consider possible, but even if you did, you at some point have to just project Matt Ryan to just completely implode this year or else you still project a top tight end, not the top, but you know, top five, let's say, tight end season for Pitts just because he's, aside from Kelsey and Waller, the only one of the only tight end in the league who basically plays receiver. He's the number one receiver, or sorry, number two receiver after Calvin Ridley. And I'm, you basically have to project like Russell Gage to have a 1200 yard season, or you need right. to project, yeah. or you need to project Matt Ryan to have 3,600 yards passing something. I would of course take the over on. So unless you project missed time for Pitts or one of those other two things, you just have to sort of leave him with something that it, a baseline, I would say of tight end five and one that could, you know, if he has a if he has a lucky high touchdown count, he could go ahead of Kittle because I mean I think Trey Lance will help with this, but Kittle hasn't been a touchdown guy. Uh, so if if he's only catching totally. four or five touchdowns and Pitts is catching nine, 
he could catch 20 fewer passes than Kittle and still give you the same point total or something. So I think Pitts is, you just got to think of it as like, do you project 4,000 or so yards for Matt Ryan? Do you project Kyle Pitts to play the whole year? Then you're high on him. If so it like, yeah. doesn't matter about everything else. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, no, he just looks, uh, yeah, I totally agree. Locked in that role. Going to and tight end, man. You get one of the two, three difference makers. It's the only position you can really separate yourself in football. All right, let's, we got to do quick, man. I knew this was going to run long with you. Love talking prospects. We'll do quicker uh, through the wide receivers. Jamar Chase, a really interesting prospect. Uh, uh, obviously, I didn't play last year. Joins his old, old teammate Burrow, who's recovering from major injuries. So what are we doing with, with Chase here? Obviously, T. Higgins looks like a monster um, there emerging in year number two as well in Cincinnati. I really like Chase as a prospect, but I hate his price in redraft. Like he's generally been going first among the Bengals receivers. I would definitely not take him ahead of Higgins. Higgins is just so great. And Boyd is really good too. Totally agree. I have Higgins ahead of him and Boyd is undervalued PPR. Burrow loved the slot baiting back to college too. Uh, Devonta Smith, man, I'm really curious. Go ahead and take a a minute or two. Is his size going to play in the NFL? Because right away he should lead his team in targets. Or maybe you're a Rieger guy, Jalen Rager, you can tell me that too. So to talk about Philly. I like Rager a lot still, but I hate the Eagles offense this year. I want nothing to do with it. I like Smith though. I like Smith and Rager. I don't like Jalen Hurts. I I hope I wish him the best, but I'm very concerned about Hertz as a passer, and I'm not convinced the Eagles are really even trying to put him in the best place to succeed. So I'm I'm out on that team. I I think that's a a rancid team they have there, and I worry about everybody getting dragged down by it. But I do agree, Devontae Smith should easily lead them in targets. Like I I like Rager, but Smith is so polished and so skilled and innately gifted as a receiver that he should get open right away. Can, Can he be a star at that size in the NFL? I don't know about star, but if if he's giving you like, you know, 1200 plus yards per year, I don't think anyone will complain. Like it, it would be unfair to expect him to be similarly good in the NFL as he was in college because it's just, you know, he's not Jerry Rice, you know. Okay, fair. Um, all right, speaking of possible stars that we've been, I have been harsh on the Jets uh, this podcast. So let me say that I, I'm kind of buying the Elijah Moore hype. Uh, when you compare like his production to like the rest of his team or whatever in college, I think it's silly too. So uh, obviously you don't love the quad injury that required an MRI, but assuming that's not an issue. I know that Corey Davis, that the targets have followed the contract recently in the NFL, but man, I'm buying Elijah Moore. Uh, talk to me about him. I like Davis, but Elijah Moore, I think it makes sense to chase his upside. I I don't tend to be the person drafting him in a a league, but I would never criticize someone for reaching a bit because Davis is the lead guy likely. And Jamison Crowder is a pretty big obstacle too, but Elijah Moore can line up outside. He's not going to be Crowder's backup. Like he's, he's going to be in three wide sets. I think even if he has to run it outside, he ran the four, three, six, 40, he's five, 10, It's fine. And Unlike Corey Davis, I think you can project Elijah Moore to be the kind of guy who can get 100 targets even on just like 700 snaps. Like He's going to draw targets per snap at a rate much higher than most other wide receivers. Maybe they won't be great targets. I'm, I'm a little concerned about that with Zach Wilson, but the targets will be there if the snaps are there. Yeah, he just looks so, so explosive. What about Jalen Waddle? He went from early reports saying, oh, he hasn't recovered from ankle surgery to blowing up in camp. And the more you think about it, you're like, oh, is Miami really that crowded when two of them are Will Fuller and Devontae Parker, the most injury-prone players in the league, and suddenly Tua looks better? You're two removed from hip surgery? I'm kind of talking myself into Waddle. Yeah, I'm a big Waddle fan. I'm, I'm a Waddle truther. He's, I'm pretty okay. sure among, among the rookie receivers, the one that I've drafted the most, in, even though it costs an eighth round pick to do it. I, but yeah, Waddle, I, I think he's just a monster. And I, you're right. I mean, Will Fuller and Parker have injury issues. So 
I really think there's an under-acknowledged chance that Waddle is just their number one receiver this year. Yeah, no, I mean, okay, Rondell Moore getting some hype uh, there in Arizona. What do you think? I'm a little skeptical. Uh, he didn't do anything in that preseason game that Tyler Irvin or Taven Austin can't do, but he was a great player at Purdue, great athlete. They definitely can use him. I just happen to think Christian Kirk and A.J. Green can probably still play a little bit. Terrace Marshall also getting some hype over in Carolina. Immediately should be the slot guy. Maybe would it take an injury, or do you like him as a prospect? He could immediately make an impact uh, right away as a number three. I like Terrace Marshall a lot, but I like him better outside. I, I think DJ Moore would make more sense for those Curtis Samuel routes. So if, if, he, if Terrace Marshall's playing the slot this year, they have to redesign the routes because he's not doing anything that Curtis Samuel did. He's more of like an intermediate and downfield kind of receiver. He's not an underneath yards after the catch guy, but I do like Terrace Marshall. And what about Josh Palmer? Is he the guy uh, in LA? Because uh, well, we all love Mike Williams, but he uh, puts himself in harm's way, misses games, and obviously everyone loves Herbert. So is Palmer the guy? I think there's what, Tyron Johnson's the other option maybe there? Yeah, there's Tyron Johnson, and I guess, to be fair, Jalen Guyton's there, right. but I don't really, I personally am not taking Guyton seriously. I'm lower on Palmer, I guess, than most people. That was a really bad pick to take him over De'Ami Brown, in my opinion. Palmer's, he's interesting in some ways. Like, he's kind of athletic for how big he is, but not stand out so. And his production at Tennessee was just below baseline last year. And by that, I mean he was below the team's general completion percentage yards per pass attempt as the lead guy. The only time he was above baseline at Tennessee was when he was running behind Juwan Jennings and Marquez Callaway. So I don't see it. I think Tyron Johnson's clearly the better player. Marquez Callaway, can he be the number one in, in the Saints, or is this just a training camp all-star? I think he's just a training camp all-star, but I still think he can be good as their wide receiver, too, after Traquan Smith, who I think is definitely better. Okay, okay, fair. I think I was a sucker and, and bought in the hype draft. I like them both, though. They're okay. both going to run a lot of routes this year. Right, no, for sure. Okay, last uh, rookie receiver I'm asking about, Nico Collins in, in, in Houston. Um, Brandon Cook's an underrated PPR guy, uh, if you ask me, but wide open outside of him. Yeah, Chris Conley is still in the way, and Kiki Kuti might be a little bit in the way, too. Chris Conley was pretty good the last two years, but with Nico, you just hope being 6'4", 210 with the 4'4 speed that he has gets him over Conley. And I, I think he's worth taking just for that upside chance. And he was, he was really good at Michigan, especially as a deep ball guy. I think he could be another Kenny Galladay or something like that. All right, Mario, this really has to be a rapid round, but I am going to put you, you're not getting away so lucky here. I am going to put you in the hot seat that I have put my other uh, guests on. So quickly, I'm going to ask you per position, your must-have players and then your players that you absolutely hate. So again, just rapid round here, Mario. Great talking rookies to you with you, man. I appreciate it. Who's the quarterback that you must not leave your draft with? Trevor Lawrence. You like Trevor Lawrence. Okay, you don't have to be rookies, by the way. They don't have to be, but I, 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 I'm with you on him. Generational talent will overcome the situation. I'm not going to push back there. Who's the running back you want? Jonathan Taylor. Dude, I was glad you asked about him. <laughs> forget the noise, right? Because you, you've been on him, obviously, you're a Wisconsin guy too. But, I mean, forget who at quarterback. It looks like Wentz could be back week one. But you're still comfortable taking Taylor. I mean, there's, there's question marks with Kamara even, right? And Derek Henry's yeah. workload. So you're comfortable even middle first round. Jonathan Taylor's a, an exceptional talent. Forget about Marlon Mack or any of that, right? Yeah, maybe try to get greedy and see if you can still get him in the second. But if you have to take him in the first, I won't tell anyone not to. Okay, I, I'm, I'm on board there, too. Okay, I know you're a Taylor guy. Okay, wide receiver. Uh, DJ Chark. 
Interesting. Really? I mean, a big guy who played small last year, is what Urban Meyer said. There's Marvin Jones, Daryl Bevel connection there. So you like Shark as a prospect guy. Okay, I worry. I like all the Jags receivers, uh, to be fair. But yeah, I just I think Shark is their only downfield guy. And I definitely think Lawrence is landing some bombs this year. And now with the hand surgery, he's dropping in drafts, too. I mean, he'll, he'll totally be he would go from overdrafted to now probably affordable. So that, at least you got that, that, that. That's there for sure. The market's working your way. And finally, tight end. I guess Pitts. Yeah, yeah, no argument there. I, I'm Pitts or Johnny Smith? Yeah, Johnny Smith. Okay, all right. Who are you avoiding? Who's the player, the quarterback that Mario hates? I'm avoiding Jalen Hurts and Joe Burrow. Yeah, okay. I'm with you on Burrow, but man, I know you don't like Hurts. I just think he's just the, the running, the, the running is going to be there. I worry about that whole team falling apart. I, I, I think I could make Jalen Hurts good. I just don't think Sirianni can. Yeah, uh, yeah. I know the coaching staff is definitely a concern there for sure. I agree. Okay, who's the running back you're, you're out on? Miles Sanders, not his fault. It's just the Eagles. Yeah, I don't know what, what to, yeah, all right, I hear you there. And there could be a committee. And Sanders also had this big fumbling issue in college, and he was graded as the second worst receiving back by PFF last year. So I definitely won't push back there. Who's a receiver you do not like? Jamar Chase. Yeah, Just man, for this year. Yeah, and, you know, people overrate, uh, you know, uh, opponents and whatnot, but having to face the Ravens, the Steelers, and, and, and Browns six times is not going to be the easiest right away. All right, what about tight end? Dallas Goddard, but to say somebody who isn't an Eagle, I'll say Logan Thomas. I was going to say, you absolutely hate the Eagles, but uh, that, that is, uh, that's fair. Mario, man, thanks. Appreciate it, man. Good times talking rookies with you. Is there anything uh, that you're working on that you'd like to promote? Oh, no, we're just getting ready for the you know regular season at Rotowire and going to be talking about cornerbacks, rookies, uh, cornerback matchups with receivers specifically, stuff like that. That's right. Absolutely. Check your weekly column on that, Mario. Great stuff. You can follow Mario on Twitter at Mario, and you can follow me at Dalton Del Don. Also, make sure you're following at Yahoo Fantasy. A pod update. Which top 10 team will most likely flop out of the top 25? Find out on this week's College Football Inquirer podcast with Dan Wetzel, Pete Thamel, and SI's Pat Forty. Liz Loza will be back with a new episode to close out the week tomorrow. And until then, we are out. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.